Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. It's a special podcast we put together on the weekends for you to enjoy. It's going to highlight some of our best interviews from this week from the radio show. You can hear these interviews live during the week in your local radio station. To find out where you can hear the Dan Bongino radio show near you, go to Bongino.com. Click on Station Finder, and you'll find the station nearest you. But before we get to our first interview, let me get to one of our sponsors. We really appreciate their time. Does it make sense that the same company who controls half of online retail also passively eavesdrops on our private conversations at home? ExpressVPN can help. What about the idea that a single company controls 90% of internet searches, runs your email service, gets to track what you do on your smartphone? No good. Get ExpressVPN because big tech is powerful. More powerful in a lot of countries. They profit by exploiting your personal data. Put a layer of protection between your online activity and these big tech juggernauts. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch, or message you send gets tracked and data mined. When you run ExpressVPN on your device, the software hides your IP address, something big tech can use to personally identify you. So ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. ExpressVPN does all this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated number one by Mashable and TechRadar. Here's what I like most about ExpressVPN. It's super easy. Download the app on your phone or your computer, tap one button, and you are protected. Stop handing over your personal data to big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me safe. Visit expressvpn.com slash Bongino. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, expressvpn.com slash Bongino to get three extra months free. That's expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Go there right now to learn more. First up today, we talk with Dan Horowitz about political prosecutions like the one Trump is currently experiencing and what we can do to stop him. So one of my uh, favorite writers out there is um, a guy named Dan Horowitz, frequent guest of the show, uh, really good guy. Sorry, if I'm not distracted. I'm just looking at his piece right here because it's so good. I want to be sure we can squeeze this all in, so let's not waste any time. Uh, Dan Horowitz, you can follow him on Twitter, by the way. He is at RM, at RM Conservative, at RM Conservative. Check him out. His work is fantastic. Dan, thanks for spending some time with us. We appreciate it. Hey, great to be with you. A lot to go over. Yeah, a lot. So let's get to it, because, you know, one of the frequent frequent criticisms of the conservative movement, I even get it sometimes, too. Fair enough is uh, you guys complain a lot. And I do. I like to think I am solutions oriented. But they say, what, what you know, what can we do about this stuff? What can we do? So you have this piece I'm going to discuss in my podcast tomorrow at length. But uh, in the next 15 minutes we have with you, you have talk or action, seven actions Trump supporters should promote to stop politically targeted prosecutions. Give us your, say, top three. Number one, what's the number one thing we can do to say, hey, listen, we live in a police state. We've had enough of it. Uh, Red line in the sand right here. You know, our founders envisioned this, this nightmare scenario where the federal government would become more like King George, uh, that they uh, forced a revolution against. So what do you do? You work with the tools we already had, and that's the states. We have red states that are supposedly not supposed to be engaging in this. Do they have the backs of our people? Look, one thing's clear. Trump obviously has a lot of money. But what I've dealt with the last two and a half years, whether it's business owners facing jail time for opening during COVID, whether it's J6 people who literally never laid a hand on anyone, held pretrial, they cannot find attorneys. Um, they're faced with an overwhelming systematic targeting. 
the important thing is for the state to send a message that we will create a legal defense fund for those that we believe prima facie are being targeted for their political, religious, or social beliefs. And look, it's pretty obvious when that's happening. When they hit you up on statutes and scenarios that are never done in the opposite direction, it's never done for liberals, it's never done at all, then you have a pretty compelling case that we have no equal protection under the law and they need help. And I will tell you, it is shocking. You can get a child molester that he has no problem finding an attorney. You know, that's part of the legal profession. These oh, people Dan, cannot no, let get Let me just lawyers. stop you. There's, uh, yeah, if you defend a child molester, you're like celebrated in the legal community. Oh, you put aside your personal feelings. <laughs> look at, no, right? I mean, I've seen it. They're like, look at this guy. They defended the World Trade Center bomber. They were, the guy's really horrible, but this lawyer's got principles. Yet you defend the Republican well, forget it. I mean, just ask any of Trump's lawyers what happens. It's 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 horrifying. Yep, this, this is like the legal equivalent of a doctor prescribing hydroxychloroquine. In other words, when you're going against the spirit of the age now, there's no rule of law. There's no legal norms, and that's what we're seeing. All legal norms are thrown out the window. So I think that one is is really key for the states to make a statement and say we will at least play defense. You know, so they're not alone. They get legal representation. They have, and again, we know this is not just the legality, but also the political backing of a state government. Because let's face it, this is all political. It doesn't go by the rule of law. It's the rule of political will. Um, and then obviously, look, there was a lot of talk about extradition. And under the Constitution, we have reciprocity that all things equal. We want to continue flowing. But what happens if you get caught up in a blue city? a blue state, and they're like, screw that. We don't like you. We don't like who you are, and we are going to take the unprecedented step of targeting you. So my point is, if you're living in a red state, we need the attorney general of that state to examine your case, and if they determine, again, that you are being targeted not because of that statute, but clearly because of who you are, you know, you are singing hymns outside an abortion clinic, under certain circumstances, we need to say no extradition. And look, Governor DeSantis did that. He just said, yeah, I will not did. cooperate. And as you all know, Dan, when, when you don't cooperate, uh, uh, you know, NYPD can't just insert themselves in another state, for example, no, and, no. and grab someone. Yeah. They don't have jurisdiction. The, the state has to cooperate, the state of jurisdiction. Now, it doesn't help someone living there, um, but we do need to lay a, uh, lay a marker down and say that if something is completely lawless, if you, if you clearly – did not do anything wrong, we will not extradite you. We're talking to Dan Horowitz. He's on Twitter, at RMConservative. Was that for red meat conservative or something? Is that where you got that from, by the way? Yeah, that was before Red Pill. <laughs> at RMConservative. Follow him. We're talking about his piece here. Seven actions Trump supporters should promote to stop politically targeted prosecutions. Because like I said, I get that criticism. Okay, what can we do? You, you have one suggestion here I really like. It's, it's kind of a version of what I've talked about often. It's my, my new rules theory. That if the Democrats are going to establish what they deem a new set of operating rules, kind of like an OA you'd have in a business, an operating agreement, then fine, we should use those rules. Uh, they're saying they're okay. We should use those rules against as long as we're not violating the law. And you talk about prosecuting, in fact, Democrats. 
Now, one of the reasons that wasn't done in the past, especially with figures like Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, I'm not saying it's a good, I'm just saying it wasn't done. Well, it's incendiary. It's going to look political, even though there's evidence of a crime. But if you're now telling us that none of that matters, political calculations should never come into it, including the you know political priorities or discretion, that if you are a politician and there's probable cause of a crime, you need to be arrested, indicted, then they should absolutely go after Joe Biden, Inc. Because the evidence in that case is overwhelming that there's something wrong, especially when it comes to Farah and potentially tax violations. Your thoughts on that? Well, you're absolutely right. Obviously, when it comes to Biden and all these other guys, um, typically, historically, we wanted to stay away from mixing law and politics, even though you know we felt that a particular candidate, elected official, did commit a crime. But I'm saying even beyond the officials, but their supporters, um, there's been a tradition in America, clearly, that you allow a lot of leeway with these demonstrations and protests. Clearly, even when they get kind of violent, historically, uh, you know, you're not going to find people sitting in jail for too long, certainly not pretrial. And then, and then usually once it goes to trial, if it does, a person winds up getting community service or something like that. We just haven't done that. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of creative statutes on the book, as, as we saw with uh, January 6th. So they'll have this 231A3. They're hitting up everyone on obstructing a police officer during a public disturbance. Well, you know, typically that was only if you did something violent. Now they're hitting people up on it. If you are just having a conversation with a Capitol Hill police officer, didn't do anything – Boom, that's a felony. That could land you a number of years in federal prison. So you look at what happened in Nashville last week. You look at what what has happened in a lot of GOP state capitals for many, many uh, years, and they do get violent as anything. They occupy the capital illegally. They go through um, security, and there are a lot of technical statutes you could hit them up on. And, you know, it doesn't require holding someone on a minor thing two years pre-trial like you did with J6. But at some point, you have to send the message that we're going to try to achieve an equilibrium and say, hey, get off my lawn if you want this to stop. Yeah, I, I just I just hinted to we're talking to Dan Horowitz. He's at RM Conservative talking about his uh, that's on Twitter, by the way, talking about his piece. Seven actions Trump supporters should promote to stop politically targeted prosecutions. It's at uh, theblaze.com. Dan, can I shift gears just a little bit here? Um, George Soros, we've been discussing him during the show today. The media had a meltdown, wet their diapers, peed themselves this weekend, uh, claiming that Soros funding the group Color of Change, which in turn funded Bragg, that somehow that there's no connection there, which is really, I mean, laughable if you do actual logic and chains and you logic chains and you believe in you know reason. Uh, it's imbecilic. Um, but one of the things, you know, Alan West used to say is, you know, you, you, when you're catching fire over a target here, you know, you know, you're in their enemy's territory and they're a little worried. They seem to be really terrified. And Soros seems to be running away from this Bragg connection. I speculate and love to get your take on it. I'm speculating here to be fair, but I think it's due to the fact that this is politically backfired in a spectacular fashion. Uh, Five million dollars in fundraising. Trump's moving up in the polls. Yeah, you know, I live in Florida. I see DeSantis every day. I know Trump as well, so I get kind of a good political picture. I think the Soros team's got to be horrified at how badly this thing has blown up. Uh, your thoughts on that? So I, I think from his perspective, he worked for about 15 years on this prosecutor DA project to get, you know, these anarchist uh, left-wing prosecutors elected. He's worked on that very quietly. 
and he was very successful at it. And he doesn't want this to jeopardize the broader project. He's got about 70 of them throughout the country that he directly or indirectly inserted. Because, you know, before he came along, even in a Democrat city, I mean, a prosecutor was a prosecutor. It's not going to be a guy who loves violent criminals. Um, you just don't get into that line of work. You'd right. be a defense attorney. So in about 70 different places, he has um, his acolytes that are part of this kind of de-incarceration agenda. And I think what he doesn't want this to do is jeopardize that agenda because this prosecution really brings out this anarcho-tyranny that we've been talking about the last couple of years that at the same time, they will clamp down on novel crimes, invent novel crimes, maybe take a potential misdemeanor and make it you know 20 years in prison. They're letting out repeat violent offenders. I mean, this is the same guy that those that shove people on on the on the subway tracks in New York City the next day, he has them out. Um, and he's yeah. dropped prosecution on so many people. We see it the, the same thing with the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. Um, 57% of felonies are not followed up upon. At the same time, they're grabbing people who never even went into the Capitol. So this anarcho-tyranny is really getting exposed with this, and they do not want to draw attention to it because there's a much bigger vision um, that is going to be jeopardized if, if uh, Trump fights back. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think I, I said earlier on my podcast, I, I don't believe that the, the current iteration of the left has adopted fully to the new information ecosystem they live in, Dan. Uh, I think they, they're seriously still living in the Cronkite Brokaw days where, it, you know, they could control what happened on the nightly news. And that was the national argument. Now with the, you know, with, with, with Fox and Twitter and conservative review and the blaze and Breitbart and all these outlets, I, I really think they're still stuck in this old age where they think they can hide this stuff and they really haven't effectively developed the response. I only got two minutes left, but I'd be remiss if I did not get your take on COVID and the vaccine. I've been reading some very troubling information about people showing up in emergency rooms for various things, not necessarily related to COVID or the vax, but uh, them finding elevated fibrinogen levels and other things with clotting. Do you have any updates? I know you've been all over this story. Dan has a book sure. out, by the way, Rise of the Fourth I mean, Reich, about this, but I got a minute and a half Yeah, left. no, so I, I discussed this, and at the end of Rise of the Fourth Reich, I have... As always, 10 action items, you know, that's what we want to do, not just complain, do something about it. I'll tell you what's frustrating is that the more information comes out that everyone pretty much agrees these things are poisonous and they certainly don't work if they ever did, the policies don't change. So to me, the biggest update is that the emergency is being terminated. The emergency declaration, Biden won't veto it. So it will become, you know, uh, uh, binding. But they ensconced all of the EUA policies, meaning the the authority that they just just uh, threw these things together within a few they months, invented. bypassed the whole FDA approval process. That is not included in this emergency. So my understanding is the EUAs still stand. They're still promoting them. They're still approving new things, you know, fourth boosters for babies under EUA. Dan, have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, I'm really out of time, but just a quick answer. Like, I was reading a, a, a thread on Twitter this morning by a by a, a, a Christian philosopher. He said the most troubling part is not that the liberals force this on your kids. Yeah, that's horrible. But liberals, progressives, and government socialists—they did this to their own kids too. 
This is crazy. I, I got to run, Dan. I'm out of time. I want to get your book in here, too. Dan's got a book on this called Rise of the Fourth Reich with the great Steve Dace. It's an amazing book about everything that happened with COVID, the cover-up, and his action items. Pick it up today. It's out there, ready to go. Wherever you get your books, you won't be disappointed. Dan, I wish we had more time. Your piece is amazing. I'll be sure to cover it on my podcast tomorrow, too. Thanks for joining us today. Can't wait to come back. Take care. You got it, man. That's a good guy right there. Action items. I get that complaint a lot. Fair enough. I'm glad you guys keep me frosty. One thing to complain, another thing to propose solutions. Up next, we talk with Charlie Hurt. Charlie Hurt's a great commentator. You're going to love what he has to say. Let's hear from our next sponsor first. Inflation has consequences. How do I know that? Because you can go to the supermarket and see yourself. Your money is less spending power. Oh, look, I was buying a steak. Now I'm buying chicken. Now I'm buying dog food. Diversification has never been more important to protect yourself against the ravages of inflation. The recent surge in gold prices. Happy I bought mine before the surge. You can still get in. It shows why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market. Get in now. Gold is a great hedge against inflation. It's going to get worse. The only company I trust to help you diversify into gold is Birch Gold Group, B-I-R-C-H. I bought gold from them multiple times. I'm a believer, always have been in gold. You know that? You can do the same. Text DAN to 989898 to get a free information kit on gold. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k that's tied to a volatile market into an IRA in physical precious metals, gold, and silver. And the best part? It's tax sheltered. Text Dan to 989898 to claim your free information kit on gold today. With an A-plus rating with the Better, Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold is who I trust to protect my future and yours. Text Dan to 989898 today. Past performance, not a guarantee of future results. Message and data rates apply. Here's Charlie Hurt. This is a great conversation. I love having people on. I don't necessarily agree with on everything, even though we're both pretty solid conservatives. You're going to enjoy this conversation about political tactics. It goes in a direction I didn't expect. Check it out. All right, let me welcome to the show a great guy, terrific commentator from the Washington Times. Uh, you've seen him on Fox. You probably read him in the Washington Times. He's fantastic. Charlie Hurt. Charlie, thanks a lot for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, thanks for having me, Dan. Good to be on with you. Yeah, it's just a shame we have. I don't know why I didn't think to call you sooner. I'm, I'm talking to Jim yesterday. We're trying to find a guest for today. And we're going through these names like, Charlie Hurt. Like, that's an obvious one. How come I didn't think of that sooner? So, Charlie, this is obviously um, a circus. Uh, I, I've heard, I, I know how you feel about this. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. It's a disaster. But I want to ask you a couple more detailed questions because I really value your opinion. This gag order that may or may not come down, uh, we haven't heard anything about it yet, but may be imposed upon Donald Trump. I mean, listen, it, the fact that this was a police state arrest style arrest is embarrassing enough. Yep. But a gag order for a presidential candidate running an election who's literally running against the police state. I mean, that's real constitutional it's problems we're in now. Yeah, it's, in, it's incredible. And if that's not the definition of interfering in an election, I don't know what is. And of, but of course, you know, obviously, these are the same people who used the most powerful spying apparatus on the planet to spy on Donald Trump the last time, or, or in 2016, the first time he ran for office. And, and, and uh, it, there's kind of an interesting discussion uh, that uh, Andrew McCarthy was just having on, on Fox, talking about the fact that, you know, how, do, how does he go about getting a, uh, a fair jury in something like this? Is he going to try to go somewhere else? But and, and the point he was making is part of the problem is that if he's going out and having rallies, it undermines his effort to go and get an unbiased jury. Well, then the only alternative I mean, to me, that just takes away all of the artifice 
shows that all of this is about nothing more than than preventing a man who has enormous popular support in this country from running for office. And if that's not if that's not interfering in an election, if that's not rigging an election, then then there is no such thing as rigging an election. Yeah, and I, I, we're talking to Charlie Hurd from the Washington Times. You've seen him on Fox, a fantastic commentator. And Charlie, I it, it's strange too because I sometimes I get into it with uh, with lefties on Twitter. It's you know I run my own account, so when I see something particularly stupid, it's very difficult for me to hold back. And um, one of them I watched, I didn't respond to this one. I was making the point that you know Trump wants to seek a relocation of venue, the Trump legal team from Manhattan to Staten Island. Now, you right. know New York pretty well. Staten Island is probably the, by far, not probably, is the most conservative of the boroughs, which isn't saying a lot, but they've actually had Republican congressmen <laughs> uh, uh, and women. Uh, they have Michael Grimm it's and everyone else. It's the same borough in New York. Right, it is. It's, it's, I mean, even Queens, where I grew up, which used to have Republicans, is now um, almost completely gone. But it's funny. People said, no, no, no. He can't change venue. There'd be a bunch of Trump voters there. Exactly. Like you're making our point, not yours. Like the point is you want a bunch of Democrat voters to take down your first presidential police state arrest, your first political prisoner. You want him in front of voters, not yours. Like they're making our point, not theirs. Exactly. And and what's really troubling about this is, you know, and I get it. There are a lot of people who are, are you know, you know, sane people in America who look at the situation and say, we need to fight back. In fact, the reason they love Donald Trump in the first place is because he's the first guy, a Republican, to come along in decades who is willing to fight back. And he fights back brilliantly, unflinchingly. Sometimes he goes too far. Sometimes he says the wrong thing, whatever. But he's constantly right. fighting. He never stops fighting. And that's what people love about him. And, and the problem with this, this particular thing and there are people that want to say, well, you know, Republican prosecutors need to go out there and start charging Democrats. I get the point, but, you know, I don't know that that's a smart strategy. Um, I, I don't have an answer for it, but I do know that what these Democrats are doing right now to our country, to our to the most uh, the, the most precious uh, judicial system on the planet, what they're doing is. Perhaps irre irreversible damage. I don't know. I guess, you know, it depends if we want to, you know, if, if, if uh, conservatives want to uh, back off and, and say, you know, we're not going to we're not going to abuse this the way these people have abused it. But they are they are committing they are destroying something and they are committing damage to a system that you I don't think you'll ever undo it. Maybe you might be able to stop it from getting worse, but I don't think you'll ever undo the incalculable damage that these people are doing right now. Talking to Charlie Hurt. Uh, Charlie, I'll tell you, that's uh, you and I typically agree. This is one area I disagree with uh, with you on. Uh, yeah. Here's the problem. I That's why I love having you, too, because you always make me think. And as you were talking, I'm thinking through, like, am I right or is he right? Because I really respect this guy. Maybe he's onto something. And I, I always do. But I think, I think you're wrong on that. And I'll tell you why. I, I, you know, when you read Arendt and the, the banality of evil, and, and you follow what happened. I, I'm not making historical compare. Let's not violate Godwin's law. I'm just talking about this, this sure banality, which she's correct about. You know, you see the Stanford right. prison experiment. Evil is everywhere. You just it, it pull it out of people. isn't even difficult. I don't really believe we're dealing with a political fight here. It manifests itself politically. And we should not ever, ever do what they do and violate our morals and ethics. 
But this isn't a political fight. It's manifesting itself that way. But we're dealing right now with genuinely evil people. And the only way to defeat them is literal political defeat. And I think the only way to do that is to say, hey, you want these new rules and precedents? Fine. Uh, we're going to use them too. Uh, and if it benefits us politically, fine. It doesn't mean we should violate morals and ethics. We should not invent crimes like they did for Trump. But when you look at the Clinton Foundation, suspected money trafficking, FARA violations, Logan Act violations, things that you and I know were never taken seriously, but now we're told are a big deal. I don't know. I, I think we should use them, too. We should never. We're not making stuff up. Biden, Inc. Yeah. I think we should use it. It's the only way. And, and you know, I'll be the first to admit I've been wrong at, at many terms uh, you know, regarding this exact issue about you know, like, for example, when 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 uh, DeSantis uh, dispatched the illegals to Martha's Vineyard, you know, I, I you know, it's like, OK, this is stunt. It's cute, whatever. I had no I, I had I never could have predicted what a brilliant success that actually was. And I was a little uncomfortable with it. But but, you know, just because, I, you know, I, I don't I, I'm, I'm sort of a uh, I, I guess I'm still sort of it. There's part of me that still wants to preserve some of this stuff. And by the I way, know. another fight I where know. I was completely wrong about this was on the, the fight with judges within in the Senate, where you know Republicans weren't playing the same games that Democrats were paying, playing. Democrats broke the system and uh, and forced through you know majoritarian right. rules on judges. And it was and and thank God, literally, I say my prayers and I thank God that Republicans turned the tables and did the same thing when they had the opportunity because and what one upped them charlie they one upped them they said oh you want to do it for appeals court justices we're going to bring it to the supreme court all of a sudden they were like oh snap that wasn't a good idea and that's the that's i'm sorry go ahead but that said dan i i gotta tell you man when you start uh messing around with uh pursuing political prosecutions because you know, you know, you you ask yourself if they're willing to do. You know, why do our Democrats so hell bent on hiring eighty seven thousand IRS agents? This right. is why, because right. this is what they will do. This is what they want to do with every aspect of the courts. They want to go against their. And do you think they're going to use eighty seven thousand IRS agents to go after their own supporters? No. They're going to go after small business owners who are almost exclusively yep. Republican. They're going to go after all of their enemies, their political enemies. Anybody who appears in court, I mean, in, in, in Congress to testify, they're going to go after them. And, 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 and I don't, you know, and I, and I get your point. And, and, and maybe tactically you're right and I'm wrong. I, I've been wrong many times about the tactical stuff uh, because, I'm, because I, so, I, I, just, I, I so love this, this extraordinary, precious thing that, that, that yeah. our, our founders left to us. But but my gosh, you know, if that's, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't I don't have a better answer. I'll say that. Yeah, I get but, it. But no, I get it. And, and I know I, I get it. And, and you, what, I, I think some people out there are looking for the good versus bad answer when the reality is we're dealing with the bad or the worse answer. And whereas I crave those halcyon days too, like, can we go back to the old mythical Tip O'Neill, Ronald Reagan day? I, I, that's not the time we live in now. It's just not. We have to deal with the fight, the realpolitik in front of us, not the fight we, we want. And I'll tell you, Charlie, a wake-up call for me because I was very similar to you. 
I said, you know what? When we get when we get back to established decorum in the Senate and elsewhere, the liberals will see we're not Nazis and fascists. Uh, the wake up call for me was I always had this. Don't get into the boycott thing, guys. It's stupid. We're going to just justify what they do to us. And then I saw it being in this business, the devious, grotesque nature of how they'll just they'll try to wipe shows off the air for no reason whatsoever. And I said, okay, they want to play the boycott game. I'm all in. And I've actually led some of those suckers on Twitter. And you know what happened? (laughs) Charlie, a lot of these people, brother, I kid you not, man. A lot of those people used to go after my show. They shut the real quick, man. When I started pointing out that the head of Media Matters wrote a blog about, quote, trannies and the Jewry and the Japs, his quotes, not mine. All of a sudden, Charlie, I noticed something real funny. They shut their mouths real fast. And that's when I said to myself, nah, man, fire with I'm never going to violate my morals or ethics or do anything to embarrass my kids. But you want to fight fire with us, brother. I think Ron DeSantis and Trump have shown the way. Trump with the media and DeSantis on policy and culture, you got to fight back. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, there, is, there is no doubt that the, the, the loudest people on the left, Media Matters, uh, the, 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 the loudest, uh, you know, Alvin Bragg, these people, you know, for too long we've made the mistake of treating them as if they're honest brokers and, that they're, and, and, right. and trying to engage them in a debate, which is clearly, um, is cl- clearly a fool's errand and uh, the, the, the pathway to certain doom and destruction. But... Um, and I guess this is the this is the my main point about all of it is that I also know that in that army of people who don't like Donald Trump, the majority of Democrat voters out there who voted against him twice aren't right. in for this crap right here. They, yeah. they they might ignore it or look the other way. Yeah, that's a good but point. There are honest people out there, and I and I and I and and I and I wish you know, you know, there's got to be a way that we reach those people and say, really, John Fetterman? I mean, that's who you're going with? <laughs> no, I get it. I get what you. I, and I've said, Jim can vouch for me, my producer. I say that a lot. That I never stigmatize anyone with a D in front of their name because that's what they do to us. I always make sure to make it about the radical leftists because I agree. A lot of those union, you know, uh, yeah, frackers and. Yeah, they, they're the ones who yeah. voted for Trump. Charlie, unfortunately, I'm out of time. I got to tell you, you be a Jim. We got to get Charlie on the podcast. We get more time, man. You are just such a fascinating guy. You make me think. And that's why I always love having you on my shows. Charlie, thanks a lot for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Such oh, a good oh. guy. Thanks a lot. It's big to see you. Thanks, bud. You got it. Charlie Hurt, folks. See, that's a substantive conversation there where you see you see the difference. I just want to quick before we take a break, Jim, you see the difference again. We Republicans can have a disagreement on tactics and talk like normal people without salivating about cooking each other in like uh, the, 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 you know, the bull and boiling people like the witch Salem witch trials. That's the difference between us and the other lunatics. And he didn't call me a Nazi now one time. It's James. <laughs> I had to take a break. We'll be right back. Up next is my good friend. You've seen him on Fox. And there's a lot about faith and spirituality. Raymond Arroyo. You're not going to want to miss this. Folks, uh, junk science, that's what a doctor called many of those fruit and vegetable supplements. Junk science because they use extracts of common produce, fruits and vegetables with few health benefits. I use Field of Greens. I have for a long time. 
because it's the whole organic fruit and vegetable, not a watered-down supplement. This is a, they're backed by a better health promise. Field of Greens. Here's the deal. It's a science-backed formula of healthy, wholesome, specific fruits and vegetables you're not going to find in any other product. We all know proper nutrition and a healthy consumption of very specific fruits and vegetables is the key to good health. Folks, sometimes you don't eat as healthy as you should. You don't want to cook the stuff, shop for it. Field of Greens is ground up, healthy, wholesome fruits and vegetables in an unbelievably great tasting powder. They have wild berry, they have lemon lime. I take it twice a day. I swear by it, but the best proof will be your next checkup when I bet your doctor says whatever you're doing, it's working, keep it up. Folks, look, can you see that? Uh, Why am I pointing to a vein? I had my blood drawn yesterday and I got my count back rather quickly on a lot of things. And the doc, no joke, said to me, I said, does it look good? He said, I wish it was mine. So let me get you started with 15% off today. Pick up Field of Greens today. Go into BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan. That's promo code Dan at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. You're going to love this stuff. It should be the key staple to your diet. Field of Greens. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Here's Raymond Arroyo talking about the meaning of Easter and society and religion in today's world. Check this out. Good man. Super smart guy. Very funny. Always energetic. And an author, author of the book, The Unexpected Light of Thomas Alva Edison, my good friend, Raymond Arroyo. Raymond, how are you, buddy? Oh, Dan, delighted to be with you on this Good Friday. You've made it much better. Or you could say, well, oh, it's only you, Thursday. Sir. I think it's, it's, whole, it's Good Friday. I'm running yeah, ahead. That's okay. We're in the television business. It's all right. And this is not pre-recorded in advance, folks. No. I promise we did not. Screen. So uh, we're going to get to this book. I want to hear about your book. But a couple of questions. I wanted to talk, obviously, about the uh, the... This amazing holiday for Christians where we celebrate my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his rising from the dead. But before the break, I was thinking you'd be a good guy to comment on this. I was talking about communism, and not in a, in a granular manner, but how the, the mm-hmm. essence of the socialist, the modern socialist, is they have to divorce people from God and the family. Because it's a source, Raymond, as you know, God and faith of objective values. In other words, they're not changeable. They're not open to your interpretation. Uh, you know, you you will love your fellow man. Well, I think, other, well, you don't get to think otherwise. Like, those are the rules. You don't like them, you can go to hell. I mean, literally, I don't mean it as an insult. Like, that, that, yeah. and that's the thing, I think, in this new subjective society we live in where boys can be girls, girls can be boys. I think that's what drives the modern progressive and the old school communist crazy. Like, I don't have to listen to your God rules. I'll just make my own rules. I mean, we're God. No, well, we're communists. Because it's the government wanting to supplant God and family. The government is the God. I mean, when you look at Newsom, you know, Governor Newsom, God bless him and we, we should pray for him. But uh, mostly that he quickly leaves because when you have a law in place, that allows a child who wants gender-affirming surgery to become a ward of the state so that they can impose that on the child, regardless of parents or any uh, mentorship or, or people who care or love that child, that, there's something profoundly wrong there where the government is the God. And it runs right to what you're saying. And look, we, you saw that Wall Street Journal uh, poll that came out a few weeks ago where Faith has dropped yes. like 40 points in this poll. People just don't care about God anymore. But that tells you more about themselves. They, they've, they've learned to hate themselves, which is why birth rates are down, marriages are down, patriotism is down. It's the natural consequence of abandoning a God who loves you and has your best interest at heart. Once you give that up, 
everything falls to pieces. And that's where we are as a country and a people, I fear. Yeah, that poll was devastating. I mean, uh, our colleagues at Fox covered it because it really is dangerous. I mean, you have a society that doesn't care about marriage, uh, relationships, doesn't care about, you know, faith, any bedrock of any kind of objective value system. It causes real problems. We're talking to Raymond Arroyo. Raymond, um, you know, this is um, this is uh, Easter Sunday for me, I, you know, Christmas gets all the attention because you grow up, you get presents and all that stuff. But really right. on the Christian calendar, this is the holiday that matters most is when uh, my Lord and Savior rose from the dead. And uh, I, I say to people who have a tough time understanding my faith, I, you know, I don't I'm I like to evangelize the cause, but everybody has to make their own decision. What I find so compelling about the story of Jesus is the fact that people die for their religion all the time. It, that's there's nothing new. Whatever religion you're in, you've seen people who martyred themselves for it. Um, however, right. the difference with Christianity is the apostles who died for Jesus actually knew Jesus. And if you're going to be crucified upside down or beheaded and tortured and poisoned, you know, at some point you're probably going to be like, okay, I was just kidding. He really didn't rise from the dead. Right. Like jokes over. And none of them did that, which has to tell no. you something. No, none of them did that. And we have, look, it's the only religion that can boast an historical precedent. You can point to the places where all of this happened. I mean, when you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, Dan, and forget the little, you know, which is the tomb where Christ is buried in Jerusalem. Now, there's a little uh, edifice there. They built a kind of little chapel in the middle of this huge old church. But if you go in there and open the icon on the far wall, there's a three feet high blackened stubble of a wall, a little piece of it behind the, the chapel they built. That is what remains, because the Muslims came in a thousand years ago and bulldozed it. They just burned it to the ground, the original sepulcher itself. So the fact that you still have these markers and you can see how it was contested and fought over through time, that should be a great, A, support for us and, uh, and, and bolster us in our faith, and B, it should remind us how our predecessors placed such weight on the importance of belief and faith in a God who existed. Uh, because once you let that go, all civilization slips with it, and the totalitarians that come and burn and destroy will take over. That should be a, it's a, it's a sobering reminder to us, I think, this Holy Week. Yeah, it is. We're talking to Raymond Royal, author of the book, The Unexpected Light of Thomas Alva Edison. Raymond, you speak about faith a lot, very eloquently, I might add, on Fox and elsewhere. When, when people, friends of yours and other people in our space, uh, get in this conversation with you and they say things like, I get this question all the time and say, say things to you yeah. like, uh, you know, Raymond, I, I, it's over, man. I mean, I feel like God's abandoned us. We've got them castrating kids. Uh, you've got uh, drag queen mm-hmm. story hour going on. You got crime running rampant in cities. You've got these Twitter videos of young kids beating up old women in elevators. I mean, it feels like we've been abandoned. Uh-huh. I know what I say to them, but what, what do you say? Well, Dan, look, this is this is the markings of the the faith of Christ from the very beginning. Its origin was like this. It was fought over. People b- b- bled and died. And the same um, excesses we're seeing all around us, the deformity of humanity, the degradation and debasement of humanity, all of that was in that first century uh, Roman world. That is what it looked like. You had the same debauchery. This is the world that Christ walked into. And let me tell you, before he died and, and after he rose, 
it was contested and you had a small number of people who believed, a little remnant. And from that, from that little mustard seed of faith, from those people willing to continue to live that faith, not just talk about it, live it, risk for it, that is where the faith that continued and spread over the world came from. So you have to give, it's a, it, Holy Week is a great reminder to us that you, you may not have the largest numbers now. The important thing is to really walk the walk and to be the billboard for the faith, to be the face of God and the hands of God for people, not just give lip service to it. You know, I knew Mother Teresa. I watched her. I interviewed her a bunch of times. I saw her in person. She, she didn't lecture people. She showed you what Christ looked like in action. That's what we need to do. Not only now, always, always. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, hard, I say man. to people, you know, maybe they know it is hard. Done. It is hard because I'm, I'm a, a man of reason. I mean, people get lost in my generally hostile, aggravated personality, which I totally understand. <laughs> but make no mistake. I am, a, I am, I am a man of science and reason. I, I mean that I spent my entire man. life. I'm, we need yeah, more. I'm a, I thank you. I'm a spreadsheets guy. I want to see numbers. And you know, I, I questioned my faith for a long time. I did. And then I read The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. And the mm -hmm. book changed my life because he, he was a, a, a journalist who was an atheist who was like, oh, I'm going to debunk this whole Christ myth. This is just, these people are crazy. And not only did he not debunk it, he became an evangelist for Jesus Christ because he said, there's no way this story isn't real. And one of the things yeah. him and others bring up is, you know, on this Easter weekend, you know, some people say, well, what if the disciples of Jesus, the apostles were just hallucinating and they thought they, well, Jesus addressed that. He, the, the, the apostles addressed that too. Jesus, what, what are we seeing? They, they addressed the idea themselves. Like, are we really envisioning this? But that leaves out yeah. the fact that it wasn't just the apostles that witnessed the living Christ. Uh, it, it was, it was hundreds of others who saw him as well. And you know, he physically appeared. That's why he said, put the, put, you know, put the finger in the, in the nail holes right there. He physically right. appeared in front of many people. Yeah, well, I, I love that he made them breakfast the first morning when they see him. You know, he's there right, cooking breakfast right, for them. And, right. I mean, a ghost doesn't eat, you know, or, right, or cook. Right. So all, right. you know, all of those markers, they're, they're, they're beautiful reminders. And look, I, you know, years ago, um, Dan, I remember um, when Mel Gibson was shooting The Passion of the Christ. And, you know, I, right. I was there. I did a, a, some of the first interviews with him. And I remember the scorn and the attacks he endured just for daring to tell this story. Again, the way you broadcast, with zeal, with fire, with conviction, that's a threat to some people. But I often think those first apostles had that same kind of fire in the belly zeal. It's what set them apart. They weren't eloquent theologians. They weren't learned or lettered men. They were men who were convicted and on fire because they had this encounter with Christ. That is really what every Easter should be about every Holy Week, uh, a rekindling of that fire and a reminder that we're called to let it burn in our lives and to have that encounter with Jesus. That's what it's all about. And I hope people take it seriously this year because um, the stakes are higher. They continue to raise. I, you don't have a Christian culture anymore. You're going to have to fight. No, for you it. don't. I agree. And I think that's why sinners like me and I, I, I sinners like me who, who evangelize say it because I was a doubter. I think the doubters become the most powerful advocates because they're the one. It's the same reason, you know, great basketball they players don't. don't become great coaches. It came easy to them. My faith did not come easy to me. It was a very, yeah. very difficult journey. Raymond, I want to talk about your book. So you have a book out called The Unexpected Light of Thomas Alva Edison. 
You've been a yeah. best-selling author. Why write this book? What, what What's well, the message because, in this book for the audience? Well, it's sort of, you and I are kind of crossing our Venn diagrams. Don't tell Kamala Harris. Our <laughs> Venn diagrams are crossing. You're writing a book about failure and how, how important right. failure is. Thomas Edison was thrown out of school at eight years old and told basically he was a failure. They said he couldn't be taught and he was addle-brained. The devotion and faith of his mother, Dan, she brought him home. She recognized the natural curiosity, his passion for learning. She brought him home, homeschooled him, gave him a chemistry set, let him experiment. And yes, he burned down the barn and blew up the basement, but (laughs) she also nurtured the world's greatest inventor. He should be the patron saint of homeschooling. But you know what his great saying was? People said, oh, Edison, you're a genius. You made the light bulb, the microphone, the alkaline battery, the first electric car. I could go on and on. He said, no, I'm not a genius. The genius is sticking to it. And he learned with his hands and his head. That's what his mother taught him. He read deeply, but then he explored the world and learned how to build and tinker. But the most important thing he said, Dan, and it runs to really what your book is about, certainly mine, it's about the power of failure. And he was a creator through the power of failure. He found the failings of others. He built and refined what they had created, and and then he patented his new creation. And the phonograph, uh, all of the things that we, the, the light we bask in today, that's all due to his ability to push himself to find answers others had given up on, and the devotion and love of a mother who saw in her boy the possibilities that the world ignored. And again, the power of family, Dan, which, um, and devotion to your child. There's nothing to supplant a parent's love, nothing no, more important. Nothing. And, uh, and all these inventions would never have been. So I captured that young part of his life. Kids are reacting to it. I love the letters I've gotten from parents. But, you know, it's the first of a book, called a series called Turnabout Tales. And it, it, our little motto is challenges faced, paths turned, history changed. And that's all of our lives. We can all have turnabout tales once we have the eyes to see it. And I hope young people will recognize themselves in, uh, in Edison, not, not in all his creations, but in his fumblings and in the way he was written off and his natural curiosity. It sounds amazing. Folks, pick up the book today. It's by our friend here. We're talking to Raymond Arroyo. You know him from Fox, been on the show before. The book is called The Unexpected Light of Thomas Alva Edison. Raymond, unfortunately, I'm out of time. I so enjoy talking to you. Thanks for coming uh, on, and I happy Easter, my good friend. Happy Easter Thanks, to you, my friend. God bless you and your family. We'll talk soon. God bless you too, sir. Take care. Raymond Arroyo, folks, good man there. And a guy who has really forgotten more about faith and religion and the history of faith and the history of religions than most people ever know. Just a really, really smart guy. Up next is an interview that will really raise your eyebrows. Are you being spied on when you fly? That's next. We'd like to thank our final sponsor for bringing this podcast to you. Folks, the light sleep is okay, but you need the deep sleep. And to get the deep sleep, you really need a comfortable mattress. Helix knows everyone's unique. It's H-I-L-I-X. So they have several different mattress models to match based on your body type and sleep preferences. Once you match, your mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. When you receive your Helix mattress, you'll be obsessed with it. It's quick and fun to unbox. You won't believe how well you'll sleep. You'll wake up rested and refreshed. They have a 10-year warranty, and Helix has financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is now offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners to this program. It's the best offer yet. 
Go today to helixsleep.com slash Dan. Don't wait. Like I said, I got the midnight looks like sleeping on a cloud. Helixsleep.com slash Dan with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Check them out. Finally, here's executive director of the Air Marshal National Council, Sonia Labasco, who says federal air marshals are spying on Americans who were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, and she has the receipts to back it up. Listen to this important interview really closely. So uh, a, a source, a really good source of mine, calls me up, or actually sends me a message, I should, I should say, Precision Matters, and said, uh, you know, you're never going to believe this, but... I have some information that the FBI may be working with the FAMS, federal air marshals, to engage in some form of domestic spying. And I responded back like, what? You know, emoji shocked guy. Like, what? I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, but I'm not. And I said, tell me more. You know, what? give me the details here. And uh, the details were that they're abusing this program designed to spy on terrorists, which of course is, it's a public space, an airplane. I mean, you can buy a seat next to anyone you want. It's not a, uh, it's not a search and seizure issue. However, that is a very intimate space on planes. So we decided to reach out to some folks to get some, um, some expertise on this because we don't want to be stupid, smart people who pretend to know things we don't. So I'd like to welcome to the show, uh, the executive director of the federal air marshal national council, uh, Sonia Labasco. Sonia, thanks for spending some time with us. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Dan, and we appreciate you putting some light on this issue. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm honored you decided to come on the show. We are so appreciative of your time. So I, I got this from a source, and like I said, when I, when I don't know something, I seek out expertise like you. You are very familiar with this issue. Is this true? Is the air marshals involved in this program that may be engaged in some form of political spying of American citizens? It is absolutely 100% true, Dan. This has been going on since January of 2021. We have brought it to the forefront of the agency to let them know that this is not appropriate, it's unconstitutional, and that this program needs to stop. That I, I, I was really, I, I had, I mean, I know you were you were going to say that, but I was kind of hoping in a way for the sake of my constitutional republic that you would come on the show and say, ah, it's overblown. Um, that's really disappointing. Sonia, someone who really knows about this, I was not a fam. I was an 1811 in a different space, but having flown a lot, most people obviously have, that's a really intimate space. You know, we all have this personal zone. I don't know, two, two and a half feet of personal space. Where when people get in it, we get uncomfortable. That's not on a plane. You're surrounded person to your left person to your right. If you're in a middle seat, they are right on top of you. You're sharing an armrest whatever you're texting or whoever you're talking to, um, it's almost like getting a search warrant for someone's device if you're seated next to them. I think that's why this program really unnerved a lot of people uh, when I brought it up, the spying program. Well, you're absolutely correct, Dan. We don't, we don't have a search warrant to do that. Um, when we're sent out on these special missions to, to spy on folks that have been deemed domestic terrorists because they tended a... First Amendment right rally um, just because they flew into the national capital region around January the 6th, 2021. Americans have been targeted. They have been placed on watch lists. They've been placed on lists that classified them as a domestic terrorist, not only within our agency, but within the airlines as well. I'm sorry. I'm, if you're watching on Fox Nation. I'm, I'm texting now. I promise, Sonny, I'm listening. I'm so fascinated by what you're telling me. I'm texting a producer of mine like this is just you know what i'm up to right jim i'm like i gotta make this happen 
Yeah, the stories, I, I can't believe that. I really, even though the depravities of some at the upper levels of law enforcement have abused their position, um, never really shocked me. This story I find stunning because the person who contacted me, Sonia, we're talking to Sonia Labasco, uh, executive director of the Federal Air Marshal National Council, said that one of their family members was involved in this, where the, the targeting of the person on the plane by the air marshal was almost certainly political and had nothing to do that what's whatsoever with terrorism. Are you hearing this too? Uh, Dan, we're not only hearing it, we believe that as well. I mean, if we, if I could just set the stage for you, you know, we're a nonpartisan group. However, um, within the last two years, what we're seeing within our agency is the weaponization of the federal air marshals for a political agenda. Uh, one of the areas uh, we've been providing, uh, the agencies provided our information to China. So all the air marshals that were flying missions to China prior to stopping that, China got all their personal identifiable information, their, their information on their families, information on their brothers, their sisters, their moms, and their dads. If air marshals refused to give that information to China, they were suspended. Okay, that was number one. Number two, the failure in Afghanistan, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, they took the air marshals out of the aircraft to go and work at all the military bases around the United States. I mean, we're a very small workforce, and they already depleted our workforce by taking us and putting us on these details. They took us off for the Afghan refugee details, Operation Allies Welcome, and put us in the military bases working. Then they come back and they pull us back out of the air and send us down to the southwest border. Okay, now they're classifying Americans that attended a rally on January the 6th. And by the way, you didn't have to attend the rally to be claimed a domestic terrorist. You just had to fly into the region. Now they're now they're doing this. So you set those things up. What does that appear to be? I mean, this is really shocking. We've had a lot of guests on the show. And it, my producer has been doing this 30 years. It's like. I'm almost like out of work. I have a ton of things I want to ask. Can you just repeat what you said about China? Because I, I don't know I really, if I heard that correctly, that we're giving information, the federal air marshals, to the Chinese Communist Party? Am I, did I hear that wrong? Yes, sir. You're hearing me. We, we were ordered to provide China every federal air marshal's name, every federal air marshal's home address, their wives, their children, their families. And if federal air marshals refused to give that information they were suspended dan and they were threatened with termination yes we did that uh, oh okay um that's uh you know so we're talking to sonia labasco uh, again uh national council federal air marshals executive director um as you can tell i'm really at a loss for words I'm getting concerned because we've seen now in the country a weaponization and I, and and as you I know would attest to to all the you know good decent patriotic men and women who serve and wear the badge thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for everything you do unfortunately um the reputations of many have been tarnished by the actions of some and it's getting increasingly disturbing how the 1811 class and the the class of federal investigators and weapons carriers have been used for seemingly political missions. Sonia, we've seen it before. Uh, we've seen it with the investigation of parents who showed up at school board meetings being classified as domestic terrorists. Um, and I'm glad that they have people like you who can speak up. Uh, are you getting this information filtering up? Because I want people to feel 
at ease that there's at least a class of gun carriers and badge carriers that object to this type of stuff. Are they saying uh, the, the, the folks out there, we're not going to do this. We're not going to spy on people on planes uh, who've done nothing wrong. Is there kind of an upswell there? Are people uh, just upset with this? There is a very huge upswell, Dan, because, you know, as federal law enforcement, we don't have a side. Every American is our side, right? We choose for safety reasons. We choose to protect others. We don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. When you buy an airplane ticket, it doesn't designate on the ticket you're a Democrat or a Republican. Everybody's traveling. Everybody should feel safe. We're being put into this pigeonhole in this position by bureaucrats who want to promote up and suck up to the Biden administration. I mean, let me tell you about the head of the snake within our agency. Do you want to hear who the head of the snake is in TSA that's driving this? Okay. The head of snake is our office of chief counsel, Francine Kerner. We call her the lowest learner of TSA. She is unelected and unaccountable. She is a holdover from the Clinton administration who leaked specific information about Whitewater to people outside the investigation. How in the world did this lady who has proven herself to be unappropriate get a position within TSA as our chief counsel? She is driving this. She is the swamp. So, Sonia, this is an extremely valuable program, the federal air marshals. I mean, it really it goes without saying after 9-11, uh, we likely wouldn't have had an incident, an incident of that gravity if we would have had federal air marshals on those planes. You really, you know, these are brave men and women. They do their thing. I've flown with many of them. You know how it works when you're a 1811 flying arm. The first people you have to identify yourself to are the pilot and the fams on the on the plane. So, you know, you don't out them or anything like that, but you wind up meeting a lot of people and they do a really valuable job. And I would think the idea of having federal air marshals sit next to someone who could be an actual potential terrorist based on real information is extremely valuable. That what bothers me, I think, most about this story is the fact that they're now wasting these brave men and women to go and follow people around for political reasons. Sonia, you have limited resources and there are thousands of flights every day. If you're following around you know, John Q. Smith for flying to D.C. to a political rally, you may be leaving out John Q. terrorist who's actually on a plane scoping something out or looking to do bad things. Dan, you're absolutely correct. We are not looking for ISIS and Al-Qaeda anymore. Okay, we're our original mission was to be able to stop another 9-11. This agency is secretly destroying our ability to do that. Do you understand every day they're destroying what we've done to try to stop another 9-11. I mean, we're in grave danger right now. We need immediate oversight to expose and stop the concealment of this political agenda. This is happening every day. People are being followed more than once, man. Once you're on this list, brother, you're on this list. You're not getting off. These people are being followed every day, every time that they traveled, just for attending a rally. They never went to the Capitol, but the agency has not told the truth. They've listed these folks saying they entered the Capitol building. And I can tell you 100 percent, we know people did not enter the Capitol. They weren't even close to it, but they are deemed a domestic terrorist right now. I, this, is a, this is really, the, of all the crazy stories I've heard, I, I don't mean that towards you. I mean, this is really totally bananas. I, I, we, we're living in right now a third world uh, just dictatorship where people just do whatever the hell they want. The idea of due process has gone out the window. The idea of living in a representative democracy in a constitutional republic is totally evaporated. But, uh, Sonia, I, I've got to run, but I, I want to just thank you for speaking out. Um, just do us a favor. 
Uh, keep your phone on. Uh, it'll make sense in a little bit because this is a story. Uh, I'm going to help you here because we are going to get some oversight on this because I'm not going to let this story go. This is absolutely unacceptable. There's no reason the people you represent in the air marshals should be abused to be doing this type of political spying. It is insane. And thank you for speaking up. We appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Dan. God bless. You got it. God bless. You. Wow. I really was, I, uh, Jim, I, as the Lord Almighty is my judge, you know, I don't use his name in vain. I thought I was just going to come on and say, yeah, it's an issue. It's been a couple isolated incidents. We got to take care of it. I think we may have a lid on. I didn't know that's where that was going to go, folks. That wasn't some put on. I've never spoken to Sonia before in my life. They, Jim booked that. That is an amazing interview right there. And due to her, not me. You believe this? You're getting on a plane, you attended a political rally, you got an air marshal flying next to you, watching what you're doing. Is that, I'm telling you, Kim Jong-un is listening right now going, I got an idea, Tony, Tony, did take notes. Did you hear the Bongino show? Tony, do we have air marshals? Uh, no, sir, we don't. Uh, let's start a new agency, the North Korean air marshals. Can we just follow around our political opponents? Done, you name it. This is crazy. That was Sonia Labasco with some really disturbing information. I think we can all agree on that. Hey, thanks for listening to this special Sunday podcast we put together for you. You can hear me every day on the radio on over 300 stations. If you want to hear where you can listen near you, go to Bongino.com and click on Station Finder. See you on Monday. You just heard Dan Bongino.